I can fix up a property, but uh, the neighborhood I, I cannot do. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing excellent, man. Um, you know, just uh, wrapping up the end of the year and trying to crush all my goals. So, you know, I'm sure same with you and same for all our listeners here. We're getting towards the end and we got to really uh, focus, bear down. And, uh, you know, here's the other thing. You got to look at, reflect. One of the things I like to do is I like to reflect what did I achieve in 2021, be grateful for what I really achieved. And then what didn't I achieve? And how can I make 2022 different uh, from 2021? And we'll dig in more um, as we get closer to the end of the year. We'll probably do a full podcast on goals and you know how to set them and how to try to focus on actually achieving them. I like to break down my goals. Uh, I think that's a lot easier to achieve when I really focus and break them down. And I think one of the things that a lot of us do is we make goals and we never look at them again. You should be looking at your goals all the time and you can modify them too. As the year goes on, you can modify your goals. Things happen, things come up, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, uh, opportunities change your direction a little bit. So it's okay to modify your goals, uh, as well as the year goes on or make them even bigger, um, than you first thought. So. I hear you. I, I remember uh, Jason Yurusi was talking at the North Star Real Estate Conference about when you have a, a big challenging goal, you know, don't focus on the end, just focus on the next yeah. small step to take because you can take one step. Okay, you can take another step and just keep on moving that way. Yeah, if you, if you don't know what to do on a daily basis to achieve your goal, you're never going to achieve it. Mm-hmm. it. It's really hard to achieve something if you don't know the individual steps to take and how often, how much that you have to, how many times you have to take them. So, excellent. But yeah, so we'll talk about that in a future podcast. But uh, today yeah. we're going to be talking about something that I don't really hear anybody else talking about: uh, why you should buy an attractive property. Yeah, um, you know, you you we always talk cash flow, and mm-hmm. cash flow is is king, right? And I see, you know, I, I actually saw a post. I think it might have been on Bigger Pockets or on Facebook. Um, but somebody said something about, is there ever a bad property? I feel like if I can get a property for the right price, it's, there's, there's, always, there's always reason to do the deal. And my answer is there's for sure bad properties. There's properties that will not make you money because they are ugly properties. And ugly comes in various kind of ways. So when I think, well, what, what do you think of when you think of an ugly property, Matt, what comes to your mind? I mean, just really worn down um, and out of date, uh, trash everywhere. And, and I also think about the neighborhood as well. Like is the neighborhood really the same? Cause you know, I, I can fix up a property, but uh, the neighborhood I, I cannot do. Yeah. You nailed it right there. Right. So we can look at the property individually and we can always fix up a problem property, right? We can always take and clean up the trash. We can always renovate the unit or, or units or whatever. And 
get it looking nice, but can we change effectively change the neighborhood that it's in? So an ugly property might be what it looks like, but it might also be where it's located. Uh, the other thing too is, and again, you can fix this, but is it actually going to be cost effective is we might have something that's or things that are kind of obsolete. So we've talked about this before where we got galvanized plumbing, cast iron, we've got aluminum wiring or knob and tube. We've got, um, you know, super old HVAC system. I've got structural issues, foundation issues, flooding issues, um, you know, just, just weird things going on with the property that make it an ugly property. Sometimes you can fix those. Sometimes you just can't, or sometimes you're just too expensive to fix. The other thing is like, is it even attractive? What can you do? Can you do enough work to still make that property attractive or not? And sometimes it might be located in a good area. Um, but like the only thing you can do is to knock it down. And then financially, it doesn't make sense to knock it down and build do. So, yeah, I mean, like, like you say, you can renovate the property, but uh, I mean, the, the neighborhood, I, I look at, at that as really the defining factor. You know, they, they often say with real estate that there's three main things, location, location, location. Uh, with the neighborhood, you can't fix it up simply. Um, if, if it's in a bad place, the property is not going to do well. Like, like you can, you can't turn like a, a C class property in a C neighborhood into an A property. I mean, you can make it nice and look nice, but it's not going to perform as well as it could. Yep. Here's, here's what I'll say about attractive properties and in attractive neighborhoods. So when I talk about an attractive property, I'm also including the neighborhood. So here's, here's the deal all times people desire to live in an attractive property in an attractive neighborhood. And I feel that people now price might be an issue, right? They're, they're not willing to pay or they can't afford to pay that price for the property, but the demand is always there. Everybody would live in that property if the price was right where you can take an ugly property in an ugly neighborhood and no matter what price point you put it at, not everybody would live there. So you're limiting your demand, right? And, and so when I look at what, how real estate sells, attractive properties, attractive neighborhoods, they always sell for more money. They always have the highest demand. The cap rates are the lowest. Everything is the most attractive. They rent. They rent for the most amount of money. Everything, every, every time the demand is the highest. If you look back at the last several recessions, a lot of people go, well, I'm going to buy C-class properties because guess what? C-class properties, the tenants, that they're, they have to live there. They can't afford to buy a house. Um, and that's true, right? They have to live there. They can't afford to buy a house. But here's what's not true. They pay the rent on time every single month. That doesn't happen all the time. And when a recession happens, those are the people that are living paycheck to paycheck already, barely scraping by. And when a recession happens, they can't front any extra 
blow, right? If something comes, push comes to shove, they can't pay their rent. Where the A class, the the really attractive looking property, those residents typically can can uh, handle a little bit of a, a negative to them, and, and they can continue to pay the rent. So when you look back at the the last several recessions, and I look at what happened to different areas, different neighborhoods. And think about the city that you live in right now, the area that you live in and what happened during the great recession. And I bet that you'll say, well, the highest end neighborhoods, the nice neighborhoods, the property values didn't really decrease that much. That Not that many houses got foreclosed on. You did a couple of them, sure, but not that many got foreclosed on. Rents didn't go down. Occupancy stayed really high. And then when you go to what are the worst neighborhoods and you'll go, well, properties were selling for, I could buy a single family house for 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, whatever it was. I, you know, I, I, you know, we had tons of evictions. If you're a landlord, we had lots of evictions. We, we had high vacancy rates, uh, that type of stuff. So the proof to me is in the pudding. We've got the evidence. When I was buying, and I and I made the I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I made the assumption that, well, I should buy these properties for thirty thousand dollars because I can cash flow like mad, right? And it worked, right? I I did really well. I cash flowed really well. Um, but here's the thing: when before the market turned, right when it was still soft, I had a decent amount of evictions that we were doing. I had a decent amount of tenants that I just asked to leave and we foot the cost there. I had tenants that destroyed my units. Um, and that's how it went. And that's just what I thought was the norm. And then I started buying B and A class areas and I noticed a difference. I noticed that I was actually getting my rents. Um, I was not having my units destroyed. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying those people are bad by any means, because there's some amazing, I've had some amazing residents in my C-class properties, amazing residents. I've got some residents that have lived with me for, for 10 plus years. They've been, they're amazing human beings. They're, they're the salt of the earth, right? But I find that you've got more issues in the lower class um, rentals. You've got amazing people, but then you've got other people that just, for whatever reason, they're down on their luck, whatever you want to call it, but things happen and you don't end up getting paid more often than in a B and then even more often than in an A. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. That's a great point. I mean, the, the attractive property is going to, you know, attract better quality tenants that are going to pay on time, treat the place. Okay. And so when you have a property, it's important to create an avatar of that ideal tenant that you're trying to get and make sure the property presents itself in a way that brings them in. So where, if you get the bad, uh, ugly property, then you're not going to get those great tenants. Like you said. Um, well, and that's just it. Like, even if you've got an attractive looking property in a not so attractive neighborhood, you're going to get the best 
tenants that are possible in that neighborhood. And that help, that's helpful. So even if you're like, hey, look, I, I like the C-class neighborhoods. I do really well in them. I get good rents. Well, then buy an attractive looking property because people are going to always want to lease it. They're, they're always going to want to live there and they're going to pay you top dollar for that neighborhood that you can that you can get and you're going to get the top renters in that neighborhood, which again, like I said, there's some amazing people that rent in C-class apartments, C-class single family. And so the idea is we want to attract those people. We don't want to attract the other ones. Um, here's another thing I noticed, Matt, when I was buying in the C-class and I was watching these properties increase in value as the economy improved from 20, call it 2013 was maybe the low um, to today. And I look at the values in my C-class versus some of these other properties in B and A-class, especially A-class. And I go, wow, you know, I could have bought that A, I, I bought the, I bought the C-class for 30K. I could have bought the A-class for 130K. Um, probably more than that, actually, but 200K. But you look at the value increase, the three, the 30K property, did it increase a lot? Absolutely. I put some money into it. Maybe it was at 60K total and it increased and, and now it's at 200. That's really awesome, right? That's a good percentage. But you look at the $200,000 property and you bought that in foreclosure, same type of thing. And, but now that's worth 700,000, 600,000. So, you, you look at the amount of dollars that you created by buying in the better, higher demand neighborhood. And you really did a lot better in the higher end neighborhood. And the other thing too, is the rent change. When I look at the rent change on my C-class, I was at, you know, let's call it 1400 for a four bedroom, 14 to 1500 for a four bedroom, same neighborhood. Now I'm at maybe 1800 where if it was an A class, I was probably at 1700 and now I'm at 3000 or more potentially. Buying attractive properties gives you fewer headaches and bigger profits at the same time. Well, probably starting off with smaller profits, starting off with tighter margins. Because, right, I was buying it for 200K and renting it for maybe 1800 maybe $2,000 if I, if I was lucky. So I'm hitting the 1% rule at best. But as I look into the future, the rents increase far greater than the uh, C-class and the value goes up far greater. So in the end, when I compare what's my IRR, what's my internal rate of return, what's my overall return on investment, the A class ends up being better. It starts out slower, starts out less profitable, but it ends much greater in the end. So that's like, kind of what you typically see. Not always, of course. Yeah, and it's like you say, uh, you know, sometimes you know, real estate is not a get rich quick scheme, but it is a get rich for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you, so if you got that long-term outlook and you want to really make sure that you're profitable, that A class, B class is going to be much uh, better in the end. And I, I've 
since sold nearly all of my C-class uh, properties and focus only on A and B uh, neighborhoods. We're buying a lot of C-class buildings, but we're focused on the, the neighborhood and, and what we can do to that building to make it attractive. So I love attractive properties. I used to think that that was a joke and why would you buy an attractive property? But I realized that as much as people want to say real estate's not emotional, real estate is very emotional. People want a great place to live and investors want something cute to show off to other people. And we take pride in our work. I mean, neither of us is a slumlord. So it's just good. Well, and it's easier to not be a slumlord in a nice neighborhood. Just Just the facts. It just is. So it's a lot harder work to keep that C-class property in excellent looking condition. Very good. So. All right. Well, that's the last thing, Matt, I will say is that typically your operational costs for C-class. So for let's, we'll just stick with our original with for an ugly property versus a pretty property. Um, it's typically the operational cost for the attractive property is going to be less because it's likely it's newer. Uh, it doesn't have some of those operational deficiencies like the plumbing issues or, you know, electrical issues or anything like the HVAC issues, uh, stuff like that. So it's, it's less expensive to operate. Uh, your expenses are more predictable. Uh, man, some of these properties, C-class properties I've owned, the expenses are so unpredictable. One month, it looks like we just absolutely crushed it. We're making a huge sum of money for, you know, it, and it might happen for three, four, five months in a row, six months in a row, eight months in a row even. And all of a sudden we've got a couple of months where it's just like, wow, we just wiped out all of our profits in one to two months. So... Yeah, those uh, better quality properties might have a lower cap rate and, and uh, lower uh, cash flow, but that just means a, a bigger profit in the end when you sell or refinance. Yeah, more predictable and uh, yeah, bigger profit in the end. So cool. All right. So that's all. Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day a Saturday, man. Thanks, you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. 
Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.